a group of deputies got together and said, let's look at renewables. We're all keen on renewables, both for the economic benefits, the economic diversification, but of course as well, principally to reduce our carbon footprint and, and meet our targets of net yeah. zero by 2050. Uh, but we said, let's look at it in a business-like way. So this is not a future electricity strategy. This is something that can fit into that strategy. But what we're looking at saying, right, let's take tidal, solar, and wind. Let's look at the state of the technology now and the commercial viability. And then let's look at what obstacles there are to Guern on Guernsey to implementation. Is it not economically viable here? Is the technology too expensive? Is the, um, for instance, are there obstacles in the way that we charge for our, our access to our grid that stand in the way of things like solar? Uh, and that's what the three reports came about. Looking at the three elements that we can obviously, we have available to us, mm -hmm. the tide, the sun and the wind. And it generated three reports. The one that's, uh, I, I think the results of the solar and tidal weren't particularly surprising. We pretty much knew what we were, we were facing. Solar is a mature technology. Anybody can access it. But in the UK, where it's been adopted much more broadly, there were government incentives to do so. And also, they didn't have uh, such a high standby charge as is being applied in Guernsey to larger installations. So government, by either creating incentives or Guernsey Electric, instructing Guernsey Electric to lower the standby charge, which it's already doing, it's already halved its standby charge or in the process of doing it. So those kind of things can make solar more commercially viable so that business and individuals will invest and of course the states can put more of it on their own buildings because we've yeah. got a lot of roof space yes. on our schools and a hospital etc so that was a result of solar tidal uh, a bit uh, more difficult obviously oldenies looked at tidal it's been viewed it was originally the area that the uh, renewable energy team formed in guernsey in 2011 that that was their uh, key yes. area of research but uh, now as then it's not commercially viable. Yes, you can generate electricity from a tidal, effectively a turbine in the water, yeah. but the cost per megawatt of production is massively higher than solar or uh, or wind, and therefore makes it commercially unviable at the moment. Now, barrages, where you block an entire bay or inlet and you let the water flow in and out like a dam, that that is more viable. But again, the I think we might hit some uh, public pushback if we start blocking off all the bays of Guernsey. So, so that report there is basically a, a wait and see. The wind one was where it got really exciting because as of February this year, the UK took a new approach to auctioning their sites and they achieved amounts that have, set, have lit a fire under the world. We're not the only jurisdiction who's seen this uh, and people are now rushing to look at exploring their seabed because you can get tens or hundreds of millions of pounds as a non-refundable option fee just to explore the seabed. Uh, this is before you ever produce any electricity. This is companies paying to have the exclusive right to look at the project. Um, to give you an example, um, BP uh, bid on several of the uh, sites auctioned earlier this year and their non-refundable annual option fee for each site is £231 million a year. And this is the same size site as we'll be looking off at off Guernsey. Okay, so why then, if it's, as you said, it's lit a fire under everybody, you know, there are these opportunities and huge amounts of money to be made. Why would anyone want to do it off the coast of Guernsey when the whole world is technically available? Well, well that's right. Uh, and that's where our, we have some competitive 
advantages and disadvantages. Our advantages are the renewable energy team back in 2010-2012 brought in legislation and even an authorization, a, a, a licensing commission in anticipation of doing renewable energies. We have the legislation there already, which is a big step forward. We as Guernsey don't have to comply with a lot of EU regulations that add cost and bureaucratic complications to authorizing sites that tie up other countries from doing this quickly. Yeah. If we focus on this, if we get the political will and public will behind it, we can steal a march on other company, uh, countries and offer a site. And our site is actually close to shore. We're only 54 kilometers from uh, France and only 137 from England. To give an example, the Dogger Bank wind farms running right now off the coast of Scotland are 131 kilometers from land. So again, we're relatively close. We, as an island, could consume our maximum consumption is about 94 megawatts. This would be producing 1,500 megawatts. To give you an idea of scale, that's the size of one of the reactors at New Hinkley C, uh, okay. nuclear power station. They've got two reactors that produce 3,000 megawatts, mm -hmm. each one 1,500. And that's costing 23 billion pounds to build. The Flamanville site that we can see on a clear day on the coast of France, that has two reactors. Each one is 1,300 megawatts. So our wind farm will be equivalent to a nuclear reactor. That's the kind of scale we're talking about. So Guernsey would become a net exporter of green energy to Europe or the UK. And it would bring huge economic benefits as well as the fee income, the rental, the other things that we can generate from it. Okay, one of the examples you just gave, um, you said cost billions of pounds to build. Guernsey doesn't have billions of pounds to pay to build this technology. So where's that? Where's the money going to come from? Well, very much like Hinkley C, twenty-three billion pounds is being, uh, actually funded by EDF, the um, uh, the French mm -hmm. national supplier. You get and those auctions for the sites of England by Crown Estates uh, in February. Mm -hmm are being bid on by the likes of BP. BP yeah. recently announced that they'll be putting £12 billion into renewable energy, predominantly into new renewable energy, in the next 10 years in the UK. So it's big companies like that, uh, and, and particularly, actually, uh, the fossil fuel companies are looking to diversify their business. They know that the days are numbered for fossil fuel, and they are diversifying into renewables, and, and they will put that investment in. This doesn't have to cost Guernsey anything. We have an asset that can be exploited. Currently, it's earning us virtually nothing. It can bring in tens or hundreds of millions of pounds a year, and this report says now is the time to look at this, because otherwise we might miss the boat, because everybody else is now trying to roll out sites. And as you said, why would anybody look at little old Guernsey? They'll look at little old Guernsey because we can move quicker, the big jurisdictions, to get it done now. If we wait until everybody else is launching sites and there are more sites than there is uh, suppliers to and developers to build it, then we will go to the back of the queue because we'll have a unique offering. Why would they bother with us for one site where they can go to England for tens of sites? Okay, so if we're going to be moving quickly on this, and the, the states of Guernsey, excuse me, no offence, Deputy Carl Meerveld, but the states of Guernsey don't really seem to move very quickly on anything. Um, so what are the next steps to get this project moving, even just to further the scoping the scoping work of so this research? The, the scoping uh, research is a, a desktop exercise that, uh, that predominantly undertaken myself, but with a few colleagues, uh, assisting. In the report, it makes a recommendation. 
It says this is a broad-based opportunity that impacts on numerous areas of policy and numerous com committee mandates. So what I've recommended to PNR is that they form a cross-committee working group, including representatives from environment and infrastructure, because it impacts both those parts of their mandate. The state's trading supervisory board, as they are the shareholder of Guernsey Electric, uh, economic development, because this has a knock-on effect of potentially diversifying and expanding our economy, and policy and resources, who obviously set the policy uh, uh, of direction and make recommendations over expenditure. And I'm proposing that myself and Deputy Chris Blinn, who's the other deputies put the most work into this, be on that group and lead that group. And I would like to chair that group and take this forward. And we'd carry on doing it in a more business-like approach. So this, this idea of driving it, doing first a... Uh, a pre-feasibility study, another desktop access exercise that doesn't cost any money, but validates the work I've done with obviously more assistance from the civil service and then puts up real numbers, hard numbers behind each stage of this. Then come back to the States with a policy letter to do a feasibility study and then go to tender. So that hopefully we can do uh, with the right will and the support from the public, this is absolutely critical, and we've got to engage with all the stakeholders, but with the right support and, and, and will, we can move on this quickly. And we can do it by taking a slightly different approach than the typical committee structure approach, where you've got a broad mandate you have to worry about and worry about how this fit in. You commission a group focused on this, and I'd be willing to stake my political reputation on the fact this is real. This is not a smoke, a smoke screen. This is not a, one of those, yeah. a pie in the sky, uh, uh, proposals we sometimes see presented in Guernsey. This is real. Mm -hmm. It can really have a significant impact. And it's a strategic long-term project. If, if I was asked as a deputy to put my one criticism, my greatest criticism of the states, is what we are very good, as we did at the beginning of 2016, in deciding a holistic long-term vision. Yeah. We're going to be healthy, wealthy, and have a booming economy, yeah. my paraphrase. We're also very good at doing a government work plan, which I refer to as a government wish list because we can't afford everything on the yeah. plan, where we say this is what needs doing now, either because it's an imperative or this is a development we'd like to do, which might take us a little bit down the path. Mm -hmm. What we don't do is long term strategic plans that actually say, how do we progress towards the ultimate uh, holistic objective? Mm -hmm. How do we progress things long term? This project would probably take 10 to 12 years minimum to start generating electricity, but it could be generate option fees in a year, two, three, three years maybe, yeah. you know, but it affects, it will provide income to help offset increased taxes like GST, because we have income coming in from a new source. It would help lock in cheap electricity prices. We're uh, facing a potential crisis in our electricity costs because the market value is way above the fixed forward price we are enjoying at the moment, and that runs out soon. Yeah. Yeah. And you've also got uh, our objective of being net zero by 2050. This could have us net z zero by, uh, you know, 2035. So you, you're hitting all of these things, and it's moving us along, changing our economy, modernizing it, attracting massive inward investment. We can actually, a part of the tendering process, say to somebody like BP, uh, we want you to invest in our island and in infrastructure. They've done this off Rotterdam, where for the same size wind farm as we're proposing, 1,500 megawatts, they committed to invest 2 billion euros mm -hmm. in smart grid technology yeah. in Rotterdam. Yeah. 
So we, there's many, you can take a fee income, you can have them invest in technology for you and implement it for you, and you can also take cheap electricity off it. It can provide all those things and any combination, but that would be a discussion for another day after we've spoken to the uh, the Fishermen's Association, to yeah. the RSPB about the potential for bird strikes, and the IOD, the Chamber of Commerce, everybody else who might be interested, and also engage with the people of Guernsey. Are you willing to suffer a distant view of a, a, of a wind turbine on the horizon, wind turbines about the size of your thumb on the horizon, in return for you know, potentially lower taxes or less increase in taxes, a cheaper cost of living, and achieving not only our carbon emission targets, if we're a net exporter of electricity, we're helping to reduce the carbon impact of Europe or England, wherever we export that power to. So it's a very compelling argument.